The Las Vegas Aces are hoping that they played their last game at the Michelob Ultra Arena this year, as they'll be looking to close out this series on the road. But let's not jump ahead, as there's work to be done in Game 3 of the WNBA Finals, as the Aces will be in New York to take on the Liberty. Coach Becky Hammond will have her players focused on the moment, and we're hoping you will be focused in, as you listen in Sunday starting at 11.30 on ESPN Las Vegas, 1100 AM and 100.9 FM. You. And the Rebel defense stops him again on fourth down. In. Back to throw. Looking. He is sacked at the 20-yard line. Hill. He's at the 20. He's at the 10. Touchdown, Rebels. V. And the Rebels are going to win this game. Head coach Barry Odom leads the Rebels in their quest to ascend the Mountain West. The scarlet and gray. It means a lot to me. This is your radio home for UNLV Rebel football. Whoa, baby. The Rebel Sports Network from Learfield. It's Cofield and Company, live on the road on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, starting off the live show here, Cofield and Company. JVT is here. Resorts World is here. Kevin Kruger is here. I'm just going to keep doing that theme. Um, I was a little thrown off because uh, you, you can hear us okay? You're good? Okay. Uh, you're not up yet. Um William, our producer, is wearing a Sun Devils Arizona State sweatshirt, which at first I'm like, oh, no, and I forgot. I, I, did, gradu- I did graduate from ASU. Okay. With honor. I, I, with honor. I, was, I, I thought it was. <laughs> no, I made that part up. Uh, I thought honor. it was a sarcastic pitchfork, and I was like, oh, no, no, boy. No, 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 no. No, and I wanted Andy Grossman to see it since he went to the school south of ASU, so I wanted him to see that as well. Um, I don't think he's that upset Andy? About, the, about the basketball rivalry. Not to not to get on ASU. I don't think ASU, he takes too many emotional swings in either direction. He really doesn't. <laughs> I actually, I've tried to, over the years. I've tried to bust his chops about Arizona. He's like, eh. yeah, you're not going to bother him. I'm like, no, I've learned. No. He's, he's pretty, pretty even killed. <laughs> so Kevin Kruger's with us. Um, is this the end of the day for you? No. Oh, really? No, we can talk about whatever you want. What you got? No. What do you What do you have the rest of the day? You have more more interviews? I think so. Man, they work you guys. Wow. It's media, it is media day. It is. But I think I saw, we were talking like we did talk early <laughs> this morning. We were, yeah. Okay. Well, you're used to putting in the work. Yeah. So where do you want to go, John? Where do you want to start? Because hmm. I actually I, I wanted to start with college football. That's right. I was actually going to do go. it. Which is uh, what is the best game on the uh, the roster this weekend? Well, obviously. What are we talking about? What rivalry? Yeah, I would oh, think. Okay. All right, I just cannon. want oh, okay. to keep that cannon red. He's like, well, cause we were, we were, you know, we were doing Arizona no. State stuff earlier. So yeah. I don't know. If no, that was gonna be the I'm a huge college football yeah. fan. Always have been. Um, we talk about it a bunch, and uh, you know, after after media day, after practice, we usually find our way into college football one way or another. And uh, but yeah, growing up in college towns, love college football. Always followed college football. It's a huge Saturday. We got uh, not to get too off track here, but you know, wife and I got a house when we got out here and i had a couple requests in, in the house as all married gentlemen know and uh she said okay to one of them and that happened to be our little tv setup in the in the living okay. room all right we're, we're this very into this in. yeah, we're very into this yeah we got three tvs set up right there in the living room we okay. got the hulu going so hulu if you want to pay me you can but uh, we got three football games going every saturday and what uh what size tvs are we talking about the 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 Main one, I'm not sure. It was actually the the homeowners before us didn't want to take it with them. Oh, wow. But it, it's a good size. And then we have two. I'm a I, I'm big on symmetry. So we have two that actually just 
make it form kind of one big square. Nice. Okay. Uh, did you do the mounting? I'm going to say yes, but no, I didn't. Can you do the mounting? I could. I don't have any faith in my abilities. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. That. The mounting is important. It's actually what you do with the wires, right, and how you cover them up. That's the important part. I think anybody I, like, uh, with half a brain can mount it. It's how you display the wires, what you're going to do with them. No, that's fair. And I my have, wife's I, OCD in that regard. Yeah, good. You will not see a wire at our house. Yeah, that's beautiful. I had five yeah. years of exposed wires. Oof. And then I put my setup up on a tweet. I put a photo up, and I got annihilated. And I was like, well, boy, you know what? Now that I look at it, that is pretty sloppy looking. So I had a guy come over and do it, and he didn't do it well. Because <laughs> I went with the cheapest option. So I did, get, I did pick the TVs out, though. That's good. How many well, Saturdays? How many Saturdays do you have left, like to watch college football? Well, we really don't ever have <laughs> right. any anyway. Um, but we do, you know, at night or if we if we have a recruit in town, we will always have the team out with the recruit to the house. So it's kind of a it serves its purpose really in that more than anything. But uh, yeah, when you get a couple hours on a Saturday as a basketball coach to watch a, a football game or two, or that's a that's a pretty kind of. Uh, in my opinion, that's a kind of a golden little <laughs> window right there. So let's talk about the rivalry with the Cannon. Yeah. On the football side, it is you know one of the most impressive. What it's the biggest one in college sports in these uh, rivalry spots. This is intense. I listen. I think basketball is intense. I think football is even more intense. I guess maybe because more fans can come into the venue and the the games up there for football are legendary. Like in some ways, legendary bad in terms of behavior, but like the f- brawl. Like the brawl. But that's what, yeah, that's what makes rivalries kind of, obviously you never want to see anybody hurt, but that type of hatred is kind of what makes rivalries rivalries. And I like building rivalries. Like we had a Leon Rice earlier, and was that off the air? Should should I talk about this? I think he did. He didn't know. Everything's melting together today. Yeah, everything melts together. (laughs) So Leon Rice off the air was like, man, I I don't understand why they, they don't like me that much down here. And I was like, well, you were in a game where they had a late referee decision after a review, and you did like a double fist pump right in Dave Rice's Power face. squat right in his face. Like that's yeah. the kind of stuff people don't forget. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. it, it just isn't. So yeah. I'm no, like, you, you made some enemies down here, but that's not a bad thing. No, for college it's, basketball, it's it's wonderful. It's great for the the intrigue and the buildup. But yeah, I mean, you talk about the rivalry between Reno and. and UNLV, of course, you know, we've got a couple people on staff that spent time in Norman at Oklahoma, and they, so, they, you know, they got the golden hat rivalry with OU Texas, and, I mean, it's just kind of, I mean, the hatred there, there's hatred, you know, the ASU-U of A rivalry. I mean, rivalries are what make the sport uh, already a little bit better than it already is. We have a Steel Offered conversation coming up on Cofield and Company at 4 o'clock when we're on both Vegas and in Reno, and I don't think he realized what I was doing. Or maybe he's just like, you know, rivalries are important, but not more important than Vegas itself. I actually opened the conversation with, I'm like, you like Vegas. You like Vegas. And he was like, of course. His daughter lives here. But I don't think he realized what he said. Like, over the course of the years in the rivalry, a lot of the Reno coaches have been like, ugh, I don't like Vegas. Uh-huh. Don't like it. I'm like, you're lying. Stop. Yeah. Everyone yeah. likes Vegas. Yeah, he's got to say that a little bit. You know, Reno, mm, okay. Reno people probably have a little bit of a – I don't say jealousy toward Vegas. Of course they do. They've, there's nothing going on. Up there. Like in the city. I'm, I'm not talking I'm, about the city. Yeah. You know, I stepped on that line. You want to say that again? <laughs> no, I'm a big supporter of Vegas. I love Vegas. Yeah. And I like, I'm not saying anything's wrong with Reno. They still live in buildings made out of wood up there. Like, it's it's a lot better <laughs> out here. Uh, so, but I wanted to, I wanted to what? <laughs> I didn't say that. That wasn't, that wasn't me. That wasn't me. 
Log cabins. I just I think, oh, okay. think of Reno. I think of log cabins. I don't know why. Just I don't know. <laughs> Destitute people. I don't know. Um, well, and I, I think part of the appeal, like with this, I'm going to sound the oldest of ever. I'm very pro youth. Um, but part of the appeal of the rivalry, especially in college sports, is in, in the way the sports is working with transfer portal in college, free agency in professional sports, rivalries are kind of hard to come by, right? Because these guys all play with each other coming up through sports. You know, you're switching teams every once in a while. It's hard to find that relationship, that angst when you have two programs going at it. I think that's what makes rivalries a lot better when you have like something like UNLV and Reno. Oh, no question. You know, that and the, the years and the years of, of dislike and competition and, you know, I think uh, – you know, Reno is a is a team that, as a UNLV basketball program, is that's our most common opponent, um, with New Mexico right behind it. But that's you know that's where that's where the rivalries are for when you when you sit around and you're talking about the, do you remember the game win? Mm-hmm. You know, do you? That's where the rivalries are. I think are, are are built. You know, and that's where when you can remember those as a fan base, you could be. But it only comes through just playing the same people. You know, over and over in that consistency and. And I think, uh, you know, one of the better things about the conference expansion that took place with the Mountain West when Reno came over was that it went from a, a one-year to a home-and-home home every year. But uh, it also, like when I played, it was just a one-year thing, and but it didn't, it didn't lessen it at all. I mean, it was – and maybe in some ways it actually made it more intense because you only had that one crack at them. So that's what was going to be my question is, you know, you've had, di- you've had different views on this rivalry from all sorts of different angles. What's like your first real exposure to it, a good memory of it? Uh, well, really, you know, it, when I, so when I transferred to UNLV, it was, uh, you know, I, I had four years of built-up hate toward U of A mm-hmm. at ASU, and that was kind of my rival. When I got there, you know, to, to UNLV in the summer and started talking to, you know, fans in the community and finding out, you know, it was kind of, it was Reno. So while I didn't have that built-up competition against Reno, it was, it was kind of an understood. Yeah. And then, uh, and so when we went up there to play, because my year we only played up there, they, you, I could feel it and I could sense it, and that was. Uh, and then since the years since then, it's kind of grown into that good rivalry, and and then of course the, the, their support up there for their basketball team is is as good as anyone's in the conference, and and it makes it a fun game to go up there. How big is the success of the football program for you guys, and especially since you do get to use Allegiant and football games as recruiting tools? Well, I think it's awesome. I think, I mean, it's across the board. You know, Lindy's success on the women's side has done nothing but help UNLV athletics. Uh, football, of course, as we know, it's the most visible uh, program uh, no matter where you are. If you, if you have a football program, that's going to be the one that gets the most discussion and, and the most attention, and uh, it's the most popular sport, of course. And so the fact that Coach Odom's got him rolling and going in the direction he does is nothing but beneficial for everybody. The, the atmosphere was, was, was great. And it's only gotten better. It's gotten better every single time that we've gone this weekend. We enjoy taking recruits there because people are happy. They're positive. They're supportive of the of the football program, and uh, and I think it's just going to keep getting better. And yeah, I mean the, the 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 fact that you can take people into that type of atmosphere and, and show them that the the community and the city and the fans are going to support them and, and keep rooting for them and keep continuing to grow. I think it's going to spill over to basketball as well because I've said I think the support in the city, right now it's cool to support sports in Vegas. And you and I have been on some discussions in the last 10 years. It wasn't always cool to support sports in Vegas. It was more, uh, it, it, there was, it seemed to be a little more negativity than anything. And now I think we're, we're back in the, in the right direction. But obviously that comes with the Aces winning, that comes with the, the Knights winning, that comes now with the, uh, you know, with Lindy's group winning, with football growing, getting better. I mean, all of that, of course, is, is at its uh, foundation. But 
uh, hopefully I'll spill over to some basketball, and we, we just got to get people out of Thomas and Mac. So speaking of support, you know, I actually the last time I saw you was at Barry Odom's radio show. I think it was the first one. How important is it that all, all of you guys are supporting one another, showing up to events and, and showing your face there? Because, you know, we talk about inner work, like relationships a lot of the times, and you, at times at work you'll get a lot of like, hey, just individuals, right? Hey, we're just working on us. But you guys seem to be supporting one another, football, basketball, women's basketball, all of that. How important is that? Uh, it's, I think it's paramount. I mean, it's just it, it just shows a, a – uh, it just shows that everybody's there to kind of support each other, help each other, that we're all rooting for each other. You know, of course, it's easy to just kind of go in your own direction because, uh, you know, we really don't cross paths all that much. You know, I think people are pro- probably surprised when they find out that our three offices, me and Lindy and Coach Odoms, are, we're not right next to each other. Right? We're actually on opposite <laughs> ends of the campus, you know, and, and we've all got things we have to go do every day. But, uh, you know, going to volleyball games, going to women's basketball games, getting over to uh, tennis matches. I mean, whatever you can do to kind of support across the board is a – I think it's just a, it just shows solidarity and, and kind of continuity and in, in that we're all trying to make UNLV better in any way we can. That's the voice of Kevin Kruger. We're at uh, Mountain West Conference Men's Basketball Media Day here at Resorts World. We'll take a quick time out here, come back for a few more minutes, and then delve into the roster and where the team is right now. It was intriguing talking to you last week about how – Maybe you're a little ahead of schedule in terms of the install because there are more veterans back than you've ever had back. Now, back to Cofield and Company, live on the road. Kevin Kruger is with us, uh, head coach of the Running Rebels. A big year three on tap. Loaded roster? Too much? Am I setting expectations? Um, deeper roster. Deeper roster. Um, health? Always necessary right to uh, get through a season so hopefully things uh, work out um that is one of the things i last year that i still point to with elijah parquet it is kind of amazing from a defensive standpoint how much one player could make a difference he was so good he was he was i mean he's an elite on-ball defender but just his wingspan his instincts um yeah it, it was a big loss for us at that time and uh you know it was, it was unfortunate for a guy to transfer use a bonus year and and uh then you only get kind of ten or nine and a half games out of it, and uh, yeah, he was a he he was a he was a really good person to have on your basketball team. Okay, a guy who's a little more high profile is going to be the leader of this team uh, in DJ Thomas and John. Have you been to practice yet? No, yeah, I've been out to practice. And, and one of the things you will notice is there are lots of people shooting. There's a lot of balance, um, shots from everywhere. DJ Thomas doesn't really look to shoot a whole lot, and I don't think that's going to be the case during the regular season, but I, I love the tone. I'll call him a kid. The kid is setting. It's like, I'm the point guard. Yeah, he's done a really good job. I think his his security um, has just kind of set a tone, like you said, with the rest of the guys. Like they don't, You don't watch a practice and think he's 18. You know, you just kind of watch a practice, and you, you know he's, he's just kind of one of the guys out there, and, and he looks experienced, he plays experienced, and uh, – yeah, he he does things that don't necessarily show up on a on a stat sheet. But any running rebel fan that's watching and, and invested in the outcome in terms of wanting them to win is going to recognize the things he does and how important they are. Because, like you said, there's different guys shooting it. There's different uh, options that are that are out there, and and you look no farther in DJ's approach than his dad. <laughs> you know, his dad's not. Not going to ever talk about how many points he scored or what he averaged there. I mean, he's very proud of the assist number he, he, that he averaged through college, and 
you know, he played with guys like J.R. Ryder, and, you know, he, he's most proud of just being the point guard on those teams with those guys and, and winning a bunch of games. And I think that, that carried over to DJ because one expectation that DJ's ever had that we've discussed has anything to do with one and done. It doesn't have a player of the year, lottery pick, none of that. He just wants to win games. He knows the rest will take care of itself. And uh, that, that uh, I think, in large part comes from, from his mom and dad. So what do you think with a with a point guard like this? How does your offense look different from last year? Uh, yeah, I think uh, last year we just, uh, not to, it's not putting it on any one person, of course, but as a group, we just turned it over too much. We, I mean, we were second in the country in, in forcing turnovers, and I thought we, we played a very exciting brand of defensive basketball. I thought the, the crowd and the support and the conversation was always very positive on the defensive end. But then we would just immediately neutralize it by going and turning it over on the other end. And uh, so we shot ourselves in the foot a lot. And that was one thing that we just never quite, we never quite could get our hands around. And, uh, and this year it's, it's, it's focus number one with 1A being you know, defensive rebounding. And uh, we had some games last year where we fought and scrapped and did a great job rebounding. And we had some games where we, we just got, got beat on the boards. And so this year there was, there's a concentrated effort on those two things. Does having a point guard like this slow your tempo down at all? No, if anything, it probably speeds it up. Okay. I think uh, his ability to to run, change directions, make decisions, uh, see the whole court. Um, if anything, I think it, it gives us that opportunity and that option um, to run and go get. Well, we we like to say a lot of time, go steal buckets. You know, go get a free layup, go get a free bucket. And when you have a guy that can change pace and direction like he can, um, I think you have. You're, we're going to have more opportunities to do that. Tom von Tobel, Cofield, Resorts World, Kevin Kruger's with us. This has been a discussion we're going to carry over from coach to coach. Tempo, right, and what this conference has become. And Steve Alford sat down with us and was kind of lamenting. He's like, we didn't play this way in New Mexico. And he, was, he kind of couldn't come up with an explanation about why the tempo of the whole league has slowed down. Uh, Tim Miles came over, and I said to Tim, I was like, let's just break the mold. Just shoot 43s a game and run and press. And then he finally he was like, well, I, <laughs> like, I don't want to get fired, basically. Um what, what will it take? Because I feel like the, the leaders of the conference generally then set the tone for the rest of the conference. Teams are built to beat the top two teams, and then everything is dragged into that zone. Am I off on this? No. Or, or can, can the mold be broken and you know, several schools can be like, we're not playing that basketball? Yeah, I think it's just you know, coaches are almost always going to go, I think, at the end of the day on the, the, the safer side. You know? Now, if we can run and, and shoot 43s and shoot at it, 40 plus percent we'd love to do that um but the thing we don't want to do is run down and shoot a shot in eight seconds and then come back and guard for 25 and especially when you talk about the the dagan hearts and the uh, you know and graham Ike from a couple years ago and these guys that are just you're just you know ladie at san diego i mean these are big guys they're not easy to guard it is exhausting to guard them and then if we're just going to run down and shoot it and like you said, you know, when you talk about Boise and San Diego State being the, the flag-carrying schools for the conference in the last couple of years, yeah, you, you kind of, it may be in the back of your mind, you kind of prepare for them a little bit. You know, we got, okay, so last summer and even the summer before, we talked about we got to get bigger. We got to get stronger. We got to get, we got to get bigger. And that's what we've done, right? Um, you know, if, of course you want to be big and fast and strong and shoot it well and dribble. You know, you want to do right. all those things. But at the end of the day, we know in the Mountain West, and it's been this way for probably a pretty long time, as long as I can even remember, when, when February and March come, you need guys that can guard, be physical, and rebound the ball. Well, Bottom line. We, always, we talk a lot about pace, right, and shooting and whatnot, 
One of the things that I've always is I really enjoy basketball and the analytics conversation around it. People assume it's all just shooting threes and running. You have to have a strong rim game too, right, in terms of being able to get within four feet of the basket. Getting to the free throw line is a really big thing too. So when you're looking at your offense and how that translates to being more efficient and running, how do you feel you are in terms of applying pressure within four feet? I think this I think this lineup's pretty good at it. Like you mentioned, you talk about the analytics side. You know, the one, two, three, right? Yep. You got the dunk, you got the three pointer, and you got the free throw. And it, and I think those three things are are things that, but while we're not going to be a, all five guys can shoot threes at any point in time type of roster, I do think we've got, we're going to be built to where we're going to have a nice balance on the floor at all times. We're going to have a couple guys that shoot it at a high percentage, and then we're going to have guys that can also draw fouls. I think uh, drawing fouls is just so important, it's so critical. Um, it can put teams in such tough spots if you can if you can put constant pressure on the rim, but then also put constant pressure on the rim rebounding. And when you talk about Jalen Hill, Lou Rodriguez, Caleb Boone, elite offensive rebounders, and uh, so that's why, in my opinion, for our roster, for our team, our growth from this year from last year uh, it will will largely be determined uh, just by getting shots on the rim getting good looks at the rim last couple minutes with kevin Kruger. remember the opener i want to get the date right november 8th so grab your tickets for that game and many more games at unlvtickets.com i think you know uh your first coach's show is november 7th it's going to be on the east side of town green valley ranch at parkway tavern Mm -hmm. that area the district so that's around my birthday do i get a free drink or what uh, I think there's actually going to be. If you some come to the coaches' show, we'll get you a free drink. All right, <laughs> I'm in. There are. I'm ninety nine. I'm, te- I'm already. He just promised. Yeah, I'm already texting my wife. I'm busy on November. Whoa, 7th. whoa, whoa, hold on. Yeah, we didn't say she gets a free drink. <laughs> no, sorry, no, I said <laughs> I'm busy. She's no, no, not. Come in. I got two kids. Somebody's got to watch. Them. I, I will buy your. your Steve right, will but, take care of yes, your. Tab. I will take care of the whole family. Um, there are going to be two dollar Miller lights, just like there are at the uh, football coaches' show. Um, this conference is a bear, right? It's got a lot of experience back. Um, it was funny earlier because I keep seeing certain dudes back, and I'm like, <laughs> really? Yeah, Again? Still and, here. And, and <laughs> Isaiah Steven, uh, Steven sat down, and I actually opened the interview. I'm like, why are you here? Yeah. Why are you back again? I would love to know that answer, actually. <laughs> <laughs> he just said he, lo- he, freaking, he he tried. You know, he tested the NBA, and he just he loves Colorado State. He yeah. loves the college experience. I also got to what was the best shot he's made in a game at the end of the game, so. Got into the game last year, which I know is a very frustrating memory, but uh, he's one of many tremendous veterans in this league who know how to play basketball, have been in the system for a while. He And now that I've had enough sleeps since that night, um, that is one of the most impressive shots I've ever seen live. It may be, it might be the most impressive shot. I mean, it wasn't a normal shot. It was behind, I mean, it was just, everything was so weird. Going away from the basket, we kind of tried to, we tried to foul, we couldn't kind of get there. He's running away from the basket. We wouldn't you didn't want to because the shot's a point five percent shot. I mean, all those, that was one of the most impressive shots I've ever seen live. But across the board, again, you talk about Max and Max Rice and Dagan Hart at Boise. You talk about Lamont Butler at San Diego State. You talk about like you said Stevens. You talk about I mean, you talk about all of these guys. Uh, Wenzel at Wyoming. I mean, oh. you can go down the Keenan list. Blackshear. Blackshear, right, big strong at, kid. At, looks at, like he's like thirty five years at, old. Exactly. Has that old man's like, game? Like, how are you guys still here? Like, this is, I mean, like, don't you guys graduate, you know? But that's the strength of the league. It's four-bid league both of the last two years. I think anybody that's uh, going to watch this conference closely this year is going to see. I think there's going to be a handful of teams to get in as well again this year. All right, Coach. We appreciate it. What's the uh, – you want to give a prediction? You want to throw some coals on the fire for football, the rivalry game, the county? Yeah, all right. So, well, you weren't in there. You were out here working. But uh, I, I took 30 – I took four – I took 38, and then I was – notified Ooh. that we've scored 40 like
Three straight games. 25 mm -hmm. times in a row here. So yeah. <laughs> we're going to I, I went 38-13. I was told that we've been scoring 40. So I'm going to go 40-13, Rebels. Wow. wow. Bulletin board material. <laughs> Ken Wilson's going <laughs> to be the, all over from this. From the basketball From the basketball right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're going to have a picture up. They're punching your picture. The guy who's watched uh, two Rebel games or three Rebel <laughs> games and zero Reno Don't games. back off. It's a right. rivalry. You stick with it, right? No, I'm, 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 all, I'm all about supporting Coach Odom and the, and the Rebel football program. Okay. But I also want to throw in there, yeah. the 11th, remember, we are retiring Anderson's yeah. jersey. Yeah. So while it's important for everybody to get there, the 8th, if you do have to decide, the 11th, we have got to show Anderson support. Everybody that ever talks about the, the, the days of Tark and how it used to be in the convention center and the final and all of that stuff, anybody that's ever mentioned any of that needs to be at that game on the 11th for Anderson. And I've only talked to Anderson a little bit recently, but I saw him at the Michigan game on the sidelines, and he could not have been more thrilled, like almost emotional, that he's getting his honor. Like it really means a lot to him. And it should. He should, he should have been up there a long time ago. He should have been up there a long time ago with his teammates, his brothers up there from those teams. Because in my personal opinion, the only truly retired, never again worn jersey should be from that, uh, from that title team. That's just my personal opinion, but here we are. There he is. Kevin Kruger will come back, pay some bills, and uh, get to our buddy Xavier Pope in about 15 minutes. We could be the last men standing. Although, you know what? A lot of the uh, teams and schools and players are still here, so they do have work later into the day. So a full day of basketball talk and you know a little bit of a – preseason basketball convention i love the combination of the west coast conference and the mountain west being together at this thing um because they kind of are and they're not the only conferences in the west right there are more conferences but now once the pac-12 is dissolved they're going to be the two biggest representatives in the west and they frankly both conferences should be really proud of the basketball they put out um the west coast you know, when you start moving down, they don't they don't have all the resources that everyone else does. And certainly there are some schools in the Mountain West that don't have unreal resources. But there are great coaches in both conferences and great players. And, um, yeah, another one of those guys where I looked up and I'm like, he's back. Watson's back for Gonzaga. They're loaded. Yep. They're loaded. Well, and, hey. By the way, first time I've been here since uh, 9, 15, 9, 30, 10 o'clock um, talking to people, recording interviews, which we'll play over the next week or so. And I didn't mention Gonzaga one time to any West Coast Conference coach. So, like, they get so much love. Don't worry about them. And, and honestly, if they're going to leave, screw them. Let the record show that I've also been here uh, since very early in the that morning. That wasn't bragging. Um, that wasn't bragging on my part. Nice. But we, we, we did. We talked to a lot of West Coast Conference people, and I, I didn't bring up Gonzaga one time. And what, they do, what they've done, what they do is incredible. But we're also on the edge here of Gonzaga potentially going to the Big 12. And I think the West Coast Conference has always been a criminally underrated conference as a whole. You know, when you see Gonzaga uh, fall short some years or all of these years, the the immediate and low hanging fruit for people who don't watch enough is oh they got to play in a better conference. Get ready for NCAA tournament play. Well, no, you don't. You just don't pay attention to how deep and how good this conference has been. Outside of the other powerhouse that is St. Mary's, there are quality programs that have been here for a very long time that have done very well. San Francisco, BYU, Santa Clara, some of these others that have some really good upside, like Portland and others. Like there's, this is a really good conference. And, and even like you said, even if Gonzaga does leave, from a basketball standpoint, this conference is strong enough that it's going to be very, very good, regardless of whether or not the Zags are going to be here in the future. It's actually so over at Vison. It's I, I every year I write for a college basketball guide. I write two conferences: it's West Coast Conference and Mountain West, because I, I enjoy those conferences quite a bit from a basketball perspective. 
Hey, uh, let's hit a couple headlines. I don't know why I was losing my breath there. A couple of headlines from yesterday in baseball. What do you want to hit first? Dodgers out or Bryce Harper stare? Ooh, I think Dodgers out. Only because it's I. Maybe it's because I don't talk a lot of baseball, and because baseball is not as popular in mainstream media conversations when it comes to sports. Let's put it in perspective of if there was an NFL team, Steve, that had been as talented as the Dodgers from a football perspective, had made it to multiple, you know, let's say like six or seven NFC championship games, maybe a Super Bowl here or there, and had like one thing to show for it. Am I wrong in thinking that I, I just I feel like the conversation in our in our world of criticizing teams for coming up short, how are the Dodgers not more of a talking point? Especially after a, I get this year they weren't particularly built as strongly as years past, but still, to in all this time, only have one title and it's in the COVID shortened season. In our realm of sports talk, I am surprised it's not a bigger talking point. Well, the one thing that I think they've come up short on is while using the Rays model, the one thing that's a little flawed with the Rays model of having like 45 people in the organization who can play in a really deep pitching staff up up and down to AAA and having you know 18 options is I still believe that you need horses. You need true number ones and twos in the postseason. And out of loyalty, they relied on Clayton Kershaw as a one and two. Mm-hmm. And during the season for his 120 innings, he's very good, but it's 120 innings. And then when he gets to the postseason, his postseason record just isn't that good. Um, I mean, I, w- if, I would like to lean on the fact that they, they did suffer ridiculous injuries and crimes uh, to the pitching staff. So Urias is a legit one or two. He takes himself out of baseball with his actions, alleged, mm-hmm. right? They can't get Walker Bueller back. Dustin May has one, two stuff. He went down. Um I actually think it's one of the great coaching jobs of the season, but that ends in, a, in, a, in just a freaking absolute dunk by losing to a team to what? They, they outpaced them by 17 games yeah. in the regular season, but they had nothing left at the end of the year in terms of pitching. I mean, it's freaking Bob, I'm sure Bobby Miller at this point is like, I am gassed. I have never thrown this many innings. And Lance Lynn had his moments, but the reality is he was a, a 6.09 ERA guy before he came over. They just ran out of pitching. But – the flip side of that is you've got a limited budget. You've got to anticipate the need. And, again, philosophically, you're not the race. So you, you, you have an unlimited budget. Go get the horses. Like, you can't – got to try. Of course. And I, I have to look back at the price if it was too prohibitive for Verlander and Scherzer. I don't know. The Verlander thing sticks with me forever. If I'm a Dodgers fan, because the Astros getting him the first time around basically sealed the fortune – of titles in favor of the Astros and against teams like the Yankees and the Dodgers. Xavier Pope, lawyer, host of Suit Up News, legal and cultural contributor. He is live on Cofield and Company. All right, we're going to come in hot on this one. Xavier Pope is with us in Chicago. Cofield and JVT hanging out on the strip at Resorts World during the uh, Mountain West and West Coast Conference media days. Xavier, how you doing? Coming in hot. Sizzle. Well, I, met, I, was, I wanted to open this way. 
Uh, Xavier is not a fat, no good bastard. You're not. <laughs> you're not. You're thin, and you're not a bastard. But apparently, Stephen A. thinks someone is. Well, I mean, I grew up a foster kid. Can I? Can I grow up? A, they kind of grow up a bastard. So if you want to call it ex bastard, <laughs> well, I didn't. I, I didn't mean the, the, literal, <laughs> the literal terminology. But um, but Stephen A. Smith. I mean, he he said that with his whole chest, talking about Brian uh, Jason Whitlock. Uh, in terms of the, the, the type of personality he has and kind of the way he takes for the right, the way he does is his, his Trumpism um, and his insincerity. Uh, and so, um, and a lot of, I know a lot of African American journalists that I've talked to, particularly um, at some of the conferences I've been to, um, quietly just really despise him um, and what he stands for and um, him seeking to have a career based off of hating and criticizing black people, black athletes and finding any way to sound pretty much like he should have a hood, but uh, but a black face underneath. Oh, I thought you were going to follow up, John. Well, I, no, I was actually... You were, you were deep in thought. I was like, well, here comes a gem. No, there's no gem, actually, because I was just more wondering, because I don't really pay attention to Stephen A. a, a ton, at least outside of his mainstream stuff. Unless, unless we play it for you, which I play all the no, time. No, that's not true. And, I'm actually... And, and actually force you guys to talk Stephen that's, A. That's not true. I'm a big Stephen A. Smith fan. In fact, you know, I met him out here when he used our edit base. He's a great guy. Uh, but no, Xavier, I was more wondering, where did this come from? Because it seemed, from my perspective kind of out of nowhere that all of a sudden I was seeing headlines of what was going on with Stephen A. Smith. Was was something happened, or was this just like you said, this has kind of been a topic that's been boiling, not even under the surface, but that's been out there for a long time? I'm assuming it's probably boiling underneath the surface. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and and so I think that those two gentlemen uh, have crossed each other's paths most, most, most definitely. Um, but I think that uh, I don't know where the origin specifically may have come from, but I do know that that Jason Whitlock did respond and said that he took something personal. And so, what does that mean that he took something personal? Um, based on some of the comments he made, it, it was a response talking about that you know, Stephen A. Smith called him, you know, a tool of the devil. And uh, and so that's he some pretty that was some strong strong language. I didn't agree with all of it, but there is some validity what he had to say about Jason Whitlock. Do you undercut your message? And this is for Stephen A. Smith or just in anybody. Do you undercut your message in a situation like this when you go with insults like fat? I'm, I'm trying well, to yeah, feel exactly. better. You, you, you do. And that, someone, someone messaged to me in, uh, on Twitter, and they said, hey, good for him. I, I don't agree with all the things Stephen A. said, but he was right about Jason Whitlock calling him a fat bastard. I said, no, I think there are ways to criticize Jason Whitlock. His viewpoint and his ideology without resulting to personal insults. I mean, it's that, that famous meme um, about – uh, Jason Whitlock about he doesn't have anything good to say except for snacks. Um, uh, th- that was made by um, who's the who's that guy? Who has, oh, a uh, ball. Uh, Lavar Ball. Uh, Lamar Ball. Yeah, said that it's about him, and that became something that was famous. Every time Jason Whitlock would say something, people would bring that clip up. But I don't think that's necessarily appropriate. You don't have to attack anyone's image, their personhood, because there are a lot of people who may have that body issues and look at that as an attack on them as well. So you, you could you can criticize someone without going far as being insulting. I'm going to defend the fat guy. Uh, and I think this is actually kind of interesting. Fat guys unite. Well, you know, J.J. Reddick got on Stephen A. as not being a real basketball player, didn't understand, and he didn't care that he played at Winston-Salem State. I think Whitlock actually played more, like actually played football in college over what Stephen A. did when he was playing basketball. So that's kind of interesting. I think 
And again, I guess I'm defending the fat that don't always judge the book by you know its cover. Uh, Whitlock has gotten out of shape, but he actually was a pretty high level athlete. So Stephen A is now yeah, going with the fat the fat take on this. But Jason was probably a better college athlete than you, Stephen A. So yeah, he was all a ball state. He was a ball state. He was an offensive lineman. So that yeah. was the role he played was to be quote unquote the fat guy that protects the line. And those guys typically are bigger. And he did play at a higher college level than Stephen A. So. It's interesting, man. A lot of stuff going on with Stephen A. He's really feeling himself. And as you, what did you say earlier? How did he say it with like his full chest? Yeah, he, he said it with his chest. Chest, Caroline. He said it with it all. <laughs> all right. How about this one? John just said a couple of minutes ago we were talking about watching baseball, paying attention to baseball, interest oh, yeah. in the baseball playoffs. Xavier is absolutely more interested in the playoffs than than we have been. <laughs> you you made a you made a point earlier about uh, the Astros in a seventh straight. ALCS, and you said something to the effect of, well, they wouldn't have done that in the NL. Is that what you meant? No, what I was saying, the, the National League version of the Astros could never dream of making an NLCS seven years in a row. Oh, the the, the Astros okay. of the American League, there are completely different franchise, different players, different all different components of what makes that team what they are. Their farm system is, is top, of the, you know, top of the league. Um, they consistently are competitive every single year. That's not something that they experienced internationally. They were a middling franchise that made it to the World Series once, and I was the first to them. They only made it to the NLCS, I think, once as well. Uh, and, and I was the one they, the year they went to the, the, the World Series. And so um, they were not a premier franchise until they came over to the American League. And so to see them make it seven years in a row, particularly with franchises like the Yankees and the Red Sox, um, there is, yep. is, is actually pretty remarkable. Yeah, that was going to be my next point is who would have believed that, that the Astros would edge out oftentimes uh, Boston or New York from getting into the ALCS. They are now the power of the model organization in that league. I'm glad you're fired up about baseball, man. Well, man, I, I, that was the first sport I loved actually growing up was okay. baseball. So that's the first sport I grew up. And then the Phillies, great story. Bryce Harper, man, just the stare down. After hitting that home, the second home run, this stares down again. The slashing, um, the Phillies, a great story. Um, uh, potentially could put the Braves on the brink of getting out of the playoffs. I mean, imagine on the NL side, you know, there's the Dodgers and the Braves, two powerhouse teams gone. Uh, so uh, I think those are the two big, the big stories we see uh, are the powerhouse NL, NL potentially gone, and then the Astros chugging along. Xavier, did you get a chance to listen to the uh, Atlanta Braves play-by-play guys uh, complaining about Harper? What were they, were they saying? So, they, they, they specifically, the second home run where you mentioned the throat slash gesture at home plate, uh, one of them throws out the, oh, I don't know about that in today's climate. Clearly very upset that Harper was just staring down players and doing what he was doing. I was I was amazed that they would throw out the in today's climate. Like, I don't think you care about today's climate. I think you're just upset that Bryce Harper's beating your brains in. What the heck is that even supposed to mean? Right. right? <laughs> like, what is it supposed to even be referring to in today's climate? What climate – is someone going to just run on the field and do something to someone on the field? I don't, I don't get it. It didn't make any sense. I think those guys are a little bit salty that Bryce Hopper, the man who t- talks the game and backs it up, and then after he backs it up, shows you what it is. Magnificent hair as well. Uh, I made this comment oh to God. Steve. Oh my, God. oh, my God. He does. I mean, he you have to incredible. admit, he does. When I he saw that, it was like hair. the pompadour with a headband on. I'm like, I am so jealous. I'm, we've got cameras running here today. And from the angle, I keep looking, and I'm like, man, these strands of hair are covering nothing in the back. 
This young guy <laughs> makes me so jealous. So jealous. Beautiful hair. Must be. Nice. I, I love the way Bryce Harper throws his hair back because yeah. he knows it's so amazing. <laughs> I mean, he looks like he looks like a swimsuit model, man. I, I, it's <laughs> funny, Xavier. I used to. I know you've met Stephen Person like once or twice. I used to make fun of Steve, but we would say he had Bryce Harper hair because he would just grow out the front patch of his hair I really tried. long <laughs> and then throw it back. And cover the back of his hair. I can't do it anymore. It doesn't work. The, the, the front has to be the front has to be so long. It's like down to my chin, like bangs down to my chin. Like right. it just this is just absurd. What are you gonna do? You get old. Although we were talking, we did talk a lot the last couple of weeks about either a uh, hair job for like two thousand dollars in Mexico, or just overloading on Propecia. So I don't know. I mean, I'm just something. I'm team. If it goes away, I'm just gonna go bald. I don't really care. Not that it's, yeah. it's easy when you have hair. When you say that, I do have wonderful. It's not as hair easy too. when you get. You do have wonderful hair. Xavier, I want to real quick as a baseball <laughs> fan. I made this old man statement a couple of minutes ago. It, it, I'm, am I wrong in thinking like it's incredible that baseball plays 162 games and then the first two rounds are a best of three and a best of five, right? Like this needs to change. <laughs> it does need to change. The NBA has they they that did away with the best of they once had a best of three in the NBA. They also once had a best of five. Both of those elements are gone in the sport. I think that three games really isn't enough to shake out who's the better team. I mean, you if you you just stack up your rotation a certain way, you can you can wind up beating a team. But and, and baseball wants to make extra money. They want extra ratings. I'm surprised that the baseball hasn't gone to extending. They've already extended the playoffs by adding a third wild card team. And they also extended that wild card game by making it three games instead of one. But I'm surprised that the Division League series isn't seven games. Another topic, uh, and it's not out of left field because it's been a big topic this week. Uh, Xavier Pope is with us, a cultural contributor to Cofield & Company, attorney out of Chicago. Give me your take on Pride Tape and the NHL. Yeah, this is a weird situation. Um, you saw some, some teams opt out of uh, wearing the uh, Pride uh, warm-up jerseys, and then you had certain players speaking speaking out, and they're claiming of their their faith. I mean, that you may never ever heard them talk about their faith ever before until now. You're bringing up the LGBTQ plus issue, and then Gary Bettman and the NHL basically banning um, those forms of expression, including and that could include uh, Hispanic Heritage Month, uh, African Americans, and as well as uh, cancer awareness, and then turning around and having it like kind of issue by issue. And so choosing the sort of NHL basically choosing which, which is the most le- what's the least controversial thing. I mean, African-American heritage month and uh, black history month or uh, uh, Hispanic heritage month, that being something that's controversial seems really strange. And I think it just plays into the fact of the, the criticism about the NHL having a certain type of fan base and, and, and catering to that type of fan base. That may not be uh, may be so inclusive, and I think that Gary Bettman's comments on that I thought they were weak. I think they were, uh, and that's something that he could have done much better on and been much clearer on as a lead. Xavier, wonderful spot. We appreciate it. Thanks for being a little flexible. We had a couple of tech issues uh, during the break, so uh, thank you. Have a good weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Love you guys. There he is, John. Love you too. Too late. He's gone. He's a quick hanger upper. He is a quick hanger-upper, and I've, I've been jumping the gun, giving the love of you to him first, but I, I slipped for a second. I thought DeMond was going to come in and tell him. DeMond never jumps in on the I love you. Come on, DeMond. I figured DeMond, like, you know, on the back end when he p- picks up the hang-up, says, love you. He might. <laughs> no, he's, he's, he's shaking his head now. No. <laughs> All right. 3 o'clock hour is up, and a reminder, if you're, you're not clued into this yet, we go 2 to 5 on Thursdays. 2 to 5 on Thursdays because the Chiefs and the Broncos are playing Thursday Night Football right here on ESPN Las Vegas.